But we are going to make sure that people are already pretty hydrated before they even get into the event. Pre-hydration. Pre-hydration. <laughs> we have switched from pre-gaming to pre-hydration. <laughs> breaking news. Uh, that, that's some breaking news. That's right. That's right. And that's what makes you guys the best. stumbled on into the tap takeover podcast every year on the second saturday of august a magical event takes place in madison and we've told you about this before last year and uh, we're sitting down again with fred swanson and then jason walters two of the organizers of the great taste of the midwest we have a very special guest today we're sitting down here at uh, vintage brewing and we're sitting down with rory nina jadlow bingo did i get it you got it <laughs> all right nailed sounds, it sounds great <laughs> you say it better than my wife <laughs> so we're here to talk about the fest we're here to talk about uh the ticket process uh I think Rory's kind of a, an expert on that, uh, having uh, gone through that that entire process here at here at Vintage, and we're here to just talk about the event and the spirit of it. Uh, we had such a blast covering it for you guys last year. If you have a chance to go back and listen to our podcast, listen to uh, or watch some of the videos that we took, we absolutely had a blast, and I, and I think it carries over into the audio and, and the recordings. Today we're here to talk about Great Taste of the Midwest. So let's, uh, as we do, let's put some, uh, some voices with the names. I'm Alex. Jesus. Jason. Fred. Rory. Yeah, so before we dive in, we'd definitely like to give a, little, a special thank you to uh, friends of the show, Scott Manning, uh, who will hopefully be joining us a little bit la- later, and Rory at Vintage Brewing for hosting us. And so, Rory, tell us a little bit about uh, the, the part that Vintage has played with Great Taste of the Midwest. Not only, uh, you know, pouring beer at the event, but uh, also hosting some of these, uh, these ticket-buying events. So we've been very fortunate um, to be able to be included into the um, the ticket sales festivities, if you will. We've you know we're in the hospitality industry, so it's always been a really fun thing for us to be able to uh, be able to host all these craft beer uh, lovers and basically put them up in our parking lot for what seemed to originally be maybe 12 hours, and now has slowly creeped into 28 hours, <laughs> 36 hours. Um, this year, I think the first people showed up at 7:30 in the morning, oh and mind you, now that was the 7:30 in the morning on what day? Uh, oh, that was on Saturday morning. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's going until noon on Sunday. Noon on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, and they, they, this the same group of four now have shown up as the first people every year. And every year when they get here, someone shows up five minutes after them. So they have to up their A game. They said next year we're coming on Friday night, and we'll just stay through the whole weekend. Um, so, it's it's always kind of the last few years. It's it's kind of worked in uh, conjunction with the Madison Craft Beer Week. And the Saturday, that last Saturday of Madison Craft Beer Week is what we call our Big Barrel Torero, which is our uh, Big Barrel um, uh, beer event. Um, so this year we had 40 different barrel-aged beers that you can come in and purchase tickets and then try, you know, three to four ounce samples of all these different beers. So that's kind of the highlight for us on that Saturday, which does drive a lot of people in earlier. Um, so they, they roll in. Um, we start Friday night. Um, Mike, who's one of our partners who's not here, he, um, he's been overlooking this for a long time, and I've helped him out with it for the last five years. And he um, gets in here by bar time on Friday night and starts putting up all the caution tape around the parking lot to start making space for all these tents to start going down. Um, and this year by you know noon on Saturday, we already had, I would say, about 60, 65 people in line. And then by 8 o'clock at night, we were already about four rows over into the parking lot with uh, people that have tents up. And I, the tents aren't small anymore. No, they're getting bigger. <laughs> no, they're getting a lot bigger. Small. Um, you know, and it's it's definitely turned into quite the party. Mike coined himself this year. Uh, we just recently got a new landlord here. Our parking lot's in pretty much uh, uh, pretty rough shape. They're doing some remodeling around. So they're about to redo the parking lot, but unfortunately it hasn't been done prior to the ticket sales. So there's a bunch of potholes that are left over, and we were able to at least get the landlord to come fill the potholes up with a wash stone because who wants to put their tent on top of a uh, big pothole that goes down three feet down in the ground um, and then, you know, get hurt and whatever else. So uh, Mike had coined himself this year because he does the overnight shift. I'll come in through until about 11 or midnight. I'll go home. I'll sleep for four or five hours, come back, and then help with breakfast in the morning. And then he stays with three, straight through the night. Um, so we close up at bar time. And, you know, everyone, the nice thing for us, we open at 11 a.m. every day up until that Sunday. That Sunday we open up at 7 a.m. for everyone. So people are literally only out of the building for five hours because we close at bar time which is 2.30. Long story short, Mike gets uh, here and he uh, coined the term uh, pothole, parking lot pothole concierge. 
<laughs> and he just nice. kind of rolls around, you know, and, and once the bar closes off, then for the next four hours, he just kind of hangs out with people in the parking lot and makes sure they're, they're, everyone's good. Um, mm-hmm. We bring in two porta-potties on our own, um, and then uh, this year actually it was three total. So we try to do these things and create the amenities that make it comfortable. I'm 39 years old, and sleeping in a parking lot overnight for tickets <laughs> is not that comfortable. And I can imagine everyone that, you know, go through all this and really create this great event all around it so you know we do we do these things to really try to cater to um the patrons coming in again we're we're, we're also brew pubs so you know we're serving food we're open all the time we want this to be memorable for everyone that's coming through um so we we extend these hours open up early um so we can come sunday morning um actually this year by 6 30 in the morning we had already on opened our doors so people can start coming in using the restrooms getting glass water at 7 a.m we actually opened the bar up and we started doing breakfast and we always try to make it affordable so seven dollars you can basically get a big plate of uh, scrambled eggs and uh, uh, potatoes and toast and bacon. Um, there's a vegetarian option as well. Come through, get a big plate of food, go in, have a Bloody Mary at the bar, have a beer at the bar, hang out until you have to get back in line at 9 o'clock to get your uh, wristband. Um, so it's literally just a, a really cool, long, fun event. Um, there's obviously a lot of beer drinking, which, uh, you know, it's they're, they're champions. I mean, they're <laughs> champions. And, champions. you know, we don't usually run into a lot of trouble. You know, um, we've had a lot of the same people coming. The nice thing is that all the guests in line really kind of police themselves. You do have to have a point person there, that's, and the mic does that overnight, and I'll do that through the night, to just kind of create the flow and focus of the events. But after that, it's really just letting them do you know their thing and enjoy. It's nice to have that good group of people that really enjoy craft beer, and they're able to do that together. And so there's not a lot of issues. You think about people sitting in there doing bottle sharing in a parking lot and all that stuff throughout the night, and you think there'd be a lot of trouble, and it's not. You know, everyone's pretty cool and collective, so it's it, exciting. It really and I will say this, that uh, the Vintage has reestablished the bar for ticket sales with their hospitality, with the way they think it through, with their conviviality, with their ease to work with. I mean, it's amazing to see what they were able to put out, and now everybody else has to adjust to them. Any other ticket venue has to say, well, what does the vintage do? Okay, so you've got all the other people going, well, what are they doing this year? Well, we could do that. We could we could tweak it this way. We could be open for breakfast. We could have people stay here. We could do a special bottle release, et cetera, et cetera. The, the interesting thing is we've aligned for the last number of years on Sunday with the last day of Madison Craft Beer Week has now aligned with our ticket sales. So it's kind of a culmination for people to be in town during Craft Beer Week. For some people, it's the Craft Beer parking lot. Okay, if they come in for the weekend, depending on where they stay. But at the same time, it's kind of the end of a great week for all of us here in town. And you know, that's one of the really fun parts about Great Taste in the Midwest is all of the events that kind of sprout up around it. You know, the fest itself is so big and not everybody can get in every year. So you've got the day before, which we'll, we'll get into in a little mm-hmm. bit, but you've got these these amazing events for the ticket sales. So so Fred and Jason, how uh, how do you guys uh, decide to divvy up those tickets and which breweries are involved? How, how, how do you guys pick the breweries? What, what goes on in that decision-making process? Sure, we, we did make a change this year to make it more comfortable for people who might be spending some time many hours overnight in those locations so so we did add a couple uh, spots rather than waiting you know in line on on a sidewalk on a busy street we found some really comfortable backyards at Ale Asylum and Wisconsin Brewing Company. And so a lot of these breweries don't really have neighbors to disrupt at night, which nice. is nice uh, for everybody involved. We want people to, to be able to come to, you know, the vintage and have dinner, have have beers here on site, you know, make something for the venues to make it interesting for them and, and lucrative for them, too. Uh, we, we want our patrons to support those businesses and, and the, you know, they've, they've really opened our, their doors to us and to to our patrons to become their patrons for that for that ticket sales it's very uh it's very important to us that our partnerships are they are equal they are long-standing they are well thought out and they are continually adjusted okay to optimize what we're trying to do it's really hard to be putting three and four hundred people on a sidewalk in the middle of a residential area it is less difficult to do that in a place like the vintage where there's almost no neighborhood and it's a busy street and you're tucked in a parking lot okay and in some cases you're actually in the pothole out of sight (laughs) okay so the interesting part is that you know how do you make this so that your impact in that part of town is negligible Okay, we've really tried to do that. And we continue to evolve and we'll continue to change and tweak it and and hopefully make it better every year. All right, so now we're in the fest. We got our tickets. For those first-time people, 
that uh, attend the fest. You got any tips, any tricks uh, to enjoy it to the fullest? Absolutely. I want to hear Rory's. I want to hear Rory's <laughs> tips. Um, my tip is to uh, stand behind my booth and pour beer <laughs> for the entire time. And if I'm lucky, I can slide back behind somewhere else and get a good beer. So I, I don't have, unfortunately, too many. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got but you guys are in a solid spot with a four-top t- uh, tent where if all you did was drink beer from the four of you in that location that you guys have been in for the last two or three years, that's a pretty good day, too. It's a great day. <laughs> it's a really great day, actually. <laughs> no, the interesting thing to me is that uh, with the phone app and with the ability to, and we're trying to get that out and into people's hands a little earlier this year so people can come up with game plans, the ability to search in the phone app by state, by beer style, by brand new brewery, by established brewery, by legacy brewery, anybody can look at that and come up with a game plan and start to tick off a to-do list. We're really focused on trying to encourage people to go to places they haven't been. So if you're from Madison, spend time saying hi to your friends. Drink a quick beer, but go to places that you've never been. Okay, don't ignore your backyard. Say hi, have a quick jar, a quick sample, and then go somewhere that you haven't been. Because everybody that's not from Madison is going to come to all the Madison breweries anyway. So that's that's our tip. We're trying we're trying really hard to encourage people to stand less in line for 45 minutes <laughs> and more out there and just trying something. The great part of being outside in an event is you will never offend anybody in saying, hey, this is a really good beer. I'm not going to finish all two ounces. I'm going to take a really good swallow. I'm going to talk to you about it, and then I'm going to move on, and I'm going to pour it out. There's not one brewery that I know. There's not a distiller that I know, a winemaker that I know that is going to begrudge you pouring something out when you're talking to them pouring something of somebody else's out. They know that this, it's a long game. There's over 12 to 1300 beers. You know, if you had two ounces of even a tenth of that, we're trying to get people to realize, you know, the Wisconsin nice really needs to be left at the door if we can figure that out. You're not gonna offend anybody. Have a conversation, stop, talk, drink some water in between, but at the same time, you're not gonna you're not gonna stress anybody out by pouring their beer out. But as far as survival tips go for uh, for <laughs> survival for, tips for, for rookies or uh, you know either first time great taste attendees or first time beer festival attendees, uh, Fred mentioned it. Stay hydrated. That's really important. We always have lots of drinking water. You know to keep yourself hydrated with that. Mm-hmm. Eat food. We mm-hmm. have great local food at our event. Huge variety of, of items. So make sure you're eating. It, it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. So start off having fun, slow it down, have something to eat, make sure you're drinking water. It's a long day. It's a lot of fun. We're adding food this year. We're adding food vendors. We're adding local food That's vendors. Are. We are encouraging people to stop have a conversation, listen to all of the music that's around you. I mean, because there are, at any one point in in any given hour, there are 10 to 20 different ensembles playing anywhere in the park. If all you did was spend 15 minutes having a conversation and listening to the people that were playing music around you, that makes this day more attainable and more sane. The beauty is that we want people to remember where they were on Sunday. And we want them to have had a really good experience. Um, We said this last year. I said this last year. I've tried to push all of us into thinking of that park as our our living room. Okay, that park is our living room. We're we're welcoming people into our home. Okay, so we specifically say welcome home to the brewers when they they come. That's by intention. Okay, this is our house. You're you're more than welcome in. Let's have a great time and let's let's do it sanely. One of the things we're adding this year is not just food vendors, but we're adding uh, water stations. So we're going to have Nicolet uh, office water uh, five-gallon coolers available. There'll be about 20 of those stations throughout the park. All of the water that is in the rinse stations, because it is not only triple filtered, but it's run through food-grade hose. It's actually potable water in our rinse stations, so you can drink that all day as well. And we chain, we're the only beer festival that not only runs our rinse water stations through food-grade hose, but then we, we change out the filters three times that day. <laughs> and it comes off a of city water supply from a bubbler. We take hydration awesome. very we take seriously. hydration <laughs> very seriously. Bring a water bottle. Um, if I saw less pretzel necklaces and more Nalgene's, <laughs> I'd be the happiest guy in the world. Because, you know, bring a bottle of water, have it in your left hand, have vice versa if you're left-handed, but have your, you know, your drinking glass in your right. Always have something in your other hand, whether it's food or another water bottle. Great tips. And and the fact that you guys put so much thought into not only the food, but the water, especially. I'm surprised you guys are even adding water, because I've never been more hydrated at a beer festival than I have at Great Taste in the Midwest. We're actually not only adding those water stations, we 
are going to partner with uh, the Nicolay Water folks. We're also the Green Bay Packers water sponsor at the line while people are waiting. Okay, so they're going to be giving out free water and encouraging people to, if they've already got an algae, just fill it up with the water that they're giving them. We're going to have recyclers down there, but we are going to make sure that people are already pretty hydrated before they even get into the event. Pre-hydration. Pre-hydration. <laughs> we have switched from pre-gaming to pre-hydration. Breaking news. <laughs> that, that's some breaking news for the first, podcast. Folks. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> and that's what makes you guys the best. You know, for me, uh, pro tip for first-timers, I remember my very first time, it is overwhelming. And that's by design. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, the, the amount of actual brewers that that you get to talk to, the amount of first-time beers that you're ever going to get to try. I mean, it is overwhelming. A lot of people go to Beer Fest, and they try one of everything, and then they make their way back through for a second time and uh, try their second favorite stuff. That's not possible here. (laughs) The the time tappings and the amount, just the sheer amount of breweries that are present, it just makes it completely impossible. So for your first time, just enjoy yourself. You know, that would be my tip. Get out there and uh, have some conversations with some of these brewers, like Fred is saying. It's the best part about the festival, talking about the beer that you're trying. Don't try and hit everything, because you're just going to drive yourself crazy. Yeah, you can't. But I, I, it's a good point that we, we do have so many brewers at our event that you can ask very detailed questions about what they're pouring in your glass as your mind is being blown by the <laughs> guava sour double dry hopped wit beer. Sure. Uh, and and you're wondering, how did, how did you do this? Well, the guy or gal behind that tap might have been the one making it, and they can actually tell you. So you can, you can ask those those beer geek questions. You, you know, maybe you're a home brewer and you're wondering how you can do something like that. Maybe you're wondering just how did you make a beer taste like pizza, and you're asking the brewer who actually did it. Might not be good, but like, how did you get that pizza flavor in that glass? And that's one of the things that we take pride in is that not every beer festival focuses on having the brewer or the assistant brewer or somebody that had a hand in that beer, not just having them there, but requiring them to be there. So we talked about this last year. When you require somebody to be there, that opens the door to conversation. That opens the door to asking questions. One of the beautiful parts about our event is that because the brewers are all there, it's the one time a year that they see each other a lot of times, okay? Um, We hear routinely, don't put me next to other guys from Wisconsin. Don't put me next to other guys from Ohio. I see those guys all the damn time. You know, I want to be intermingled. I want to be intermixed. So the beautiful thing that I think is that there's a million ways to cut the great taste. There are 200 to 400 people that do nothing but the relay tent. That's their festival. They couldn't tell you what else happened in the event. They couldn't tell you if there were strolling minsters. They can tell you that there are 70 beers right here, and I'm fine. Thank you very much. Okay, and it's all real ale, and they can taste it from all over the Midwest. There are people that sit and only do the 100 tent because that's where their chairs are. Okay, and there are still almost 40 breweries in that 100 tent. And if that's all you did, great. You got a lot of damn beer anyways. If all you did were even number tents, odd number tents, places I've never gone, states I've never touched, states that don't touch the state I live in, okay, states with no vowels. I mean, there's a million ways to do this. Is there a state with no vowels? I, I don't know, but I'm thinking in of a bingo Czechoslovakia, card. Maybe. How we put together a bingo card to cover some of these. So, things. but no, I think I think one of the things too is just you know and bring friends and make new friends, okay, and start to have conversations. Also, the thing too is that you know you can while somebody's having a conversation, you can do one of those waves to a brewer and say, hey, you don't have to stand and wait necessarily. You don't have to be rude and push somebody aside while they're having a conversation or push around them. You can get the brewer's attention. There's usually three to four people standing behind there that aren't having in-depth conversations. Even if somebody didn't move in front of you, you can go, hey, and then, you know, you can reach over. There's a lot of ways to do the event. Fred is waving his hands. I'm waving my hands frantically. This is good radio. This is very good radio. But no, I mean, that's, I mean, there's a, there's a thousand ways to cut it. If all you did was drink Pilsners and eat bacon on a stick, we might be the best thing going in the United States (laughs) in August. So, I mean, come on. There's a lot of ways to cut this. All right. Let's talk about the brewers. What's the selection process? I understand there was a new one implemented last year. Can you tell us how that went and, I guess, the process in general, how to get them there? Sure. sure. I mean, we make, no, we make no bones about the fact that we had to change our operations. We had to do things differently. We had to address the elephant in the room, and the elephant in the room was the fact that the industry is growing by leaps and bounds. It's ridiculous how many new breweries. And I say that in a good way, ridiculous. How many new breweries are there? And we had an ordinal system. And the ordinal system just meant you got into the event after somebody either didn't come or went out of business. 
and that's that wasn't happening. People were not going out of business five and six years ago. People were, you know, breweries were you know sprouting up everywhere. We had within a matter of five years two and a half times as many breweries in Madison alone. So how do you address that? And how do you address that concern? And how do you also at the same time acknowledge that you know if you look at it from a third grade boy standpoint, fair's never fair. So we tried to get as close as we could and we continue to evolve. But the big thing is that we we have a weighted lottery now. We have a recognition that every year we have, and if you generally say that there's roughly 200 breweries there, we always want to have a target number of about 30 new breweries every year. We want 15% new breweries every year. When we had the conversations amongst a small group of us, that felt right, okay? That felt like it honored the people that had been around and carried us from day one. It felt that there was a fair fighting chance to get in. If you got in once because it's a weighted lottery, your chances are statistically better the second time. But at the same time, you know, it it didn't create huge waves within the industry. Brewers understood the pickle we were in. They really, they really took it seriously. When we put out a request saying, hey, if you could take a year off, we had people saying, yes, I'll take a year off. People that have been with us for 20 years. That's pretty big, man. And it's like, I will take... And I will send my staff, and I will be back next year. But send somebody else, get a new guy in instead of, in, you know, instead of me. And we had that again this year where people took that very seriously. Hey, dude, I want to come, but you asked. I'm going to step up, and you know, so it's a weighted lottery. And what it is is that uh, everybody on the wait list gets a weight of one, and everybody else gets a weight of their years attended plus one. So uh, if you're the vintage, I think the vintage has been around for ten years. years so their weight ball is eleven. Okay. Um, every year that line where we draw the line changes and it fluctuates based upon us trying to get 30 new breweries in. So that line is never established. But at the same time, if you're year one guy and you get in and you're off the wait list, well, then next year you're already, you're, you're weighted at two. So you're in, your, your chances increased. And, you know, we'll take pains to say, oh my gosh, Look at this. This guy's been on the wait list for 24 years, and he has been the <laughs> least lucky son of a bitch ever, and he's never gotten in. Okay, There will be ways to have conversations and to be very clear about what we're trying to do. But what we're really trying to do is hit that mark of 15% new breweries, which for us is about 30. And um, we make no bones about the fact that you know not everybody's going to be happy, but we're not getting a huge amount of kickback from it. I know a lot of people who uh, really spent a lot of time trying to hit all of the new breweries last year, which oh, I, I think yeah. is a really fun. If all way you to, did were thirty breweries, that's yeah. a great beer festival. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that I wanted to really stand out last year. So we had special signage um, on the tents on the outside. So standing away from the tent, you could look across the park and see where the rookies were, and you could make a beeline right for them. So you know, I made a personal effort either before or during the event to to welcome all of all all of those rookies all 27 of them which was nice to get that recognition you know to to see them to see their their excitement for being at the festival for the first time and uh, i'm planning on doing that again we're at a similar number of rookies again this year and uh, we'll do that again we'll mark their spots We'll make sure that people get to see them and that they're feeling welcomed and excited to be there. So uh, we were talking about uh, talking with the brewers and having this this really amazing opportunity to speak intimately about the beers that you're drinking. Some of the best uh, beers that these brewers do are available on this day. And the ability to talk with the brewers is, you know, it's second to none, for in my opinion. So uh, we we have a, a brewer here, Rory. <laughs> well, I'm not actually a brewer. Okay, but uh, I yes, intimately. I will involved. try to answer your questions. Absolutely, my, a person my involved with a brewery who yes. knows what he's talking yes. about. So, Rory, tell us uh, tell us about some of the beers that uh, that we're drinking here today. Uh, we're sitting here at Vintage, enjoying some of your lovely libations. I've got bees knees. Sure. Mosasaur uh, over Mosasaur. here. Okay. Yep, boats. Somebody's got toy boat. Toy, 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 toy boat. boat. Toy boat. How many you. times in a row with can you say that? Cast condition <laughs> with pomegranate. Yeah, the pomegranate green tea citra zen on yes. on cask. <laughs> on cask. Yes, we always have two cask condition nails. It's empty. It is empty. Well, we have four taps over there. We might have to uh, get another one. Um, so bees knees has been one of our staples mm-hmm. from uh, for ten years now. We uh, utilize uh, locally sourced honey, clover honey uh, here from Wisconsin. A uh, really nice. It's a seasonal beer. Um, it always comes out roughly in May. Uh, stays through the summertime. Nice, I would say, uh, light to medium body. Mm-hmm. Definitely uh, a nice patio drinking. Delicious. The Mosey's uh, one of the newest ones we just actually put in the cans. We just started canning and have a canning line now, which is, hey, all right, fantastic. We oh, just wow. well, canned our sixth beer, sixth 
style of beer yesterday. Is that news? Is that breaking news right there? It's not. Well, it's breaking news on this uh, right. podcast. Yes, I can guarantee that. So, yeah, we have a canning line now. Uh, we just released the cans on the market about um, about six weeks ago. Okay. Um, and we just uh, canned our Key Lime Wits, Perfect. which is our. Yes, it's our hazy uh, wheat, very delicious, great summer beer. Uh, but Mosey's one that we also, or Mosasaur, we, we had to change the name to Mosey because for some reason people can't say Mosasaur. And, you know, <laughs> really? being in the hospitality industry, nothing's worse than having a guest come up and go, I'm a Mosey, sir. And then they look at you and you're trying to look at them like, you're fine. It's cool. Don't worry about it. So yeah. on the cans, it's called Mosey. We, we, we call it both. Uh, most people don't know what a Mosasaur is. No. I say, have no. you watched Jurassic World? And if you haven't, then maybe you wouldn't. But the, the, the uh, you know, the amphibian dinosaur that won the battle, the Mosasaur, you know, well, that's that's what it is ultimately. So um, that is a ninety-five percent mosaic hops uh, pale ale. I'll um, never look at this beer again the same. <laughs> I don't I'll have a much more great, greater respect for this. I'm a little frightened by it. Yeah, you know, Scott would be great to talk about these things because you know he just he comes up with all these grand ideas and uh, definitely these names, which I don't understand how he comes up with half of them. Yeah. He's, he's kind of goofy. You, you guys are known drugs. for odd, curious, inquisitive, why did you, what's the story there? You know, names all the time. We don't have it. We're not drinking it currently. It is on tap. Ginger Ninja. Ginger Ninja. Ginger Ninja. Spelt-based, <laughs> ginger-laced, amber, double whip beer. <laughs> what? That sounds like fun. <laughs> what were you smoking, Scott? Mm-hmm. But it's delicious. Yeah, uh, the cast condition, Citrus End's one of our pale ales. Um, the, the fun thing for the cast conditions is Scott's completely put that off on the assistant brewers. Nice. Uh, so Dave, one of our assistant brewers, really just has fun with them. I haven't even tried that one yet because as in cast conditions, it's one hey, and Seuss, done. Jesus, good. Rock sound. Are you first to finish your beer? Yeah, no, it was very tasty, yeah. It sounded like a lot of stuff went in there when they described it, like pomegranate. What was it? Pomegranate. Uh, green tea. Pomegranate green tea, yeah. Yeah, but it's very subtle. Good balance. I, totally. I enjoyed it, yeah. You were having the... Yeah. Toy boat, toy boat, toy boat. See, how many times can you say that in a row? I think right. once. Toy boat, toy boat, toy boat. And as a double IPA, maybe only once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, right. Yes. Double IPA. We uh, we do a release party. We had a uh, a pirate theme release party uh, last year for it. It was fun. We had a, a rowboat out front, and we did a um, we did a dunk booth. You have potholes that would fit rowboats. Yes, we had a pot. We, were, we had a dunk booth that was in the pothole. Uh, and yeah, it was, we're working with the uh, Clean Lakes Alliance here in Madison, so everybody was kind of auctioned off, and Scott sat in there for like an hour, so you could have just whipped the baseball at the dunk, the dunk booth and put Scott in some <laughs> water. Awesome. And it was in March, so it wasn't that warm. Oh, my. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, so we do fun stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, double, the double IPA, that's another seasonal as well. I'm actually drinking our Common, the common Thread. Oh, nice. Yeah. Talk about thread. that. Yeah, Common Thread's awesome. Uh, it's a, a, a collaboration that's done with uh, part of Madison Craft Beer Week. In the last few years, it has kind of uh, turned into a statewide alliance where brewers from all over the states uh, get together and brew one beer together that's released just for Madison Craft Beer Week, but now it's distributed throughout the state. So we had the luxury of brewing it this year, which kind of only happened because Scott, which he's not here yet, you notice uh-huh. this, yeah. and who also t- showed up late for the planning meeting showed up late for planning which meant it was in he your was house he was to brew it this year so now we, and we, you know years past we're here at a Whitney Way location it's an 800 square foot brew house tiny a year and a half ago we opened up our Sox City place speak of the devil and uh, we, we can do a lot more production up there and have more space to house so hey Scott we're talking about Common Thread Common Thread so Scott just walked in I think Hi his guys, ears were burning <laughs> well I'll tell you what while we, uh, while we pour Scott a beer I think it's a perfect time to take a little break we'll be back and more word on the Great Taste of the Midwest 2019. So we just got back from break, and uh, Scott Manning has now joined us after finishing up a brew day up in Sauk City, the twin cities of our area. And uh, he's going to absolutely give us all of the name versions of Mosasaur in order. (laughs) All right. So it's great. This is a little beer that I think is... um, you know, super special. First of all, it's near and dear to my heart because my younger brother and his now wife uh, wanted to have a theme beer for their wedding. And I'm like, well, there's no effing way. That's just not going to happen because I'm <laughs> way too busy. And they begged and they begged. And she's a real hophead and he likes his hops too. So I'm like, okay, fine. We'll make, we'll name this new IPA that I have in the works just for you. So its first ever name was um, <clears throat> Meow and Forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's a real amazing. thing. That's a real thing. <laughs> Which is an absolutely perfect 
wedding beard name? It really well. If you knew this couple, you you would know. It is perfect. Uh, they live in a small house, and I say small, I mean it in San Diego. But hey, you you got you got to aspire in San Diego. So even even a small house is a great thing. And I believe among them they have five or six cats. So it fits oh. perfectly. <laughs> Meow and Forever was the first name. That wasn't the one we we're going to use uh, long term. The reason for the beer actually, I, I thought I had to come up with a winner because uh, our friends over at Third Space in Milwaukee started the inaugural started the uh, Wisconsin IPA Fest, which I think is great. You know, to, to champion a style that historically Wisconsin has not been you know known as a, a real hotbed of, but they do some great ones, and I, th- I think they sort of noticed that that was missing and thought, here's a great way to highlight what some folks might think is not the strong suit for this state and i think they're totally wrong so uh, those opinions i mean i think third space is totally right because it was a it was a great event and but you know our ipas to that point or at that time were we have an oaked ipa and i thought all right that's just a really different sort of a bird and i don't know if that's gonna be a contender in a field of say 40 45 public choice and then also mm-hmm. some brewer and uh um, people who work in the industry as judges sort of thing it's just not going to be like, yes, that's the best IPA because it's, it's so darn mellow. I thought, well, why don't we just make something new? And mosaic hops are a thing I hadn't really played around with. So I thought, yeah, let's let's go deep on mosaics and, and make this thing happen. So while that was happening, um, our distributor got us in line with the uh, CrossFit Games, which um, is now, I guess, an annual thing in Madison for the next couple of years at least. Yes. Super great. And hey, if your distributors are willing to sell you sell your beer in any format, you just shake your head and you say yes. Let's let's do this. Yes. Yeah, so I changed the name from from Mosasaur to Amrap, which you guys are familiar with Amrap as a term. No. As many reps as possible. Roar! <laughs> you just get after it. You throw, throw, <laughs> throw tires around. Roar! So it was meow and forever, and then it was Amrap, and then it finally got to um, settle into its own real name on the third try. So. There you go. But now its short name is Mosey. Right, right. So uh, you might have already touched on this, but we, you know, we do a lot of beer fests, and beer fests are a great way to tell you if a name is a winner, if a beer is a winner, if a, you know, if you're going down the right path style-wise, you know, sours are a thing, whatever it is. People at a beer fest are they've paid their money and they're there for one purpose, and if they like you, they hang around, and boy, do they talk. So uh, you can only hear a Moses sour. Mozassasasser, Monsieur, so many times <laughs> when they when they look at your label before you realize we should probably shorten this a little bit and make it a little bit uh, easier to chew. Just imagine the the poor guys down uh, about an hour away from us who have to deal with uh, Patatsky and uh, Potosi, and you know we've got eight different ways to say Potosi Brewing Company. That's right, but their brewery isn't even figured out for most people in Wisconsin. Because it's the town of 600 that we've forgotten about for most of us, but historically it's one of our hotbeds. I do love a clunky beer name though. I mean, I come from a kind of a German language learning tradition and um, I also just love the Germanic style. So I have a beer called Schwarzfahren and, and you know, that one people struggle with. And I think part of it's, it's fun. You know, your bartender's gonna stand back there and laugh at you. Sure. <laughs> toy boat, toy boat, come on. Right. That's, a, <laughs> that's right. a beer you can't order in multiples. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, thank that I did not think we were going to get so much info for our beer name. Oh, you're talking amazing. to the wrong guy. Yeah. <laughs> Short. So I, I want to get back to uh, the great taste. And mm-hmm. before uh, the break, we were talking about you guys have been there 10 years now, right? So just go to town. Tell us uh, some great stories you have, and then tell us about uh, your tent. I guess uh, your, your space is very unique, right? We'll talk about all, and, and make sure you get to all the goofy themes that you've done. <laughs> You guys were the first people to bring a damn tractor into the event. Yes, uh, one of our, oh, Trent's one of our partners, and his uh, one of his mantras is, you know what, we're not sure if this is legal. Well, let's just ask him once we get there. Are they really going <laughs> to stop a guy in, in coveralls on a tractor? On a tractor. Are they going to stop me? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was a fun one. We did kind of a, uh, we, we have some farmers in our family still, so that was kind of a last minute <laughs> easy thing to pull off. <laughs> we need hay bales and lots of them. <laughs> but how many pictures of people on a tractor? Oh my There's god. Tons. Hundreds of tractor <laughs> photos. So how many how many themes have there been? Uh, how do. many years was there? Yeah, uh, we do a theme every, every year. Yeah, every, every year. year. So Tell us uh, some of those themes. Tell us some cool stories from those. Rory, before uh, before we started, you were telling us about a, a, a milk <laughs> a milkmaid event. No, it was uh, it was milkmen and housewives. So oh, two yeah. years ago, well, we we have a milk truck. Uh, 1966, 66. 66. 
1966 milk truck. Trent again. Trent's kind of uh, Trent's our partner. He's he's a handyman. He can do anything and fix anything. He has a culinary degree. He's an uh, was an automotive technician at one point. Was a foreman for a uh, construction company supervisor. Yeah, yeah, yada yada. Long story short, he came across this milk truck for like 400 bucks on Craigslist. 10 years ago, had to go get it, tow it in, put it in storage. Well, we decided two years ago that we would finally um, make this our theme. So got it up and running, or call it up and running. It was running. It got there. It definitely got it there. It just wasn't up. Uh, it wasn't up. Well, what do you do with a, with a milk truck from 1966? You put 16 taps off the side of sure. it. Sure. You know? So, the same person would do that. Yeah. yeah. So it's got one seat in it. We put 16 taps off the side of it, and we brought it to the event. And, of course, you know, in our t- typical fashion, we decided to uh, be uh, milkmen and uh, 1950s housewives, um, in which we did win the uh, best oh, yeah. that year. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, it was a hit. People taking pictures again, similar to the tractor story. People taking pictures, really enjoying it. We get into it. We have fun. We're, we've always been known to take uh, uh, as many beers as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. So I think it's usually 22 to 26 that yep. we offer at the event. Yeah, that's on our low end. So I'm not sure if this is still a record, but um, the year we really went big, which is probably way probably way before we should have um, financially, we uh, decided we are going to knock it out of the park and go for the most beers ever poured at Great Taste of the Midwest. <laughs> and I think it was year three or four for us, and so we were still pretty new, and everyone's like, how are you going to pull that off? Where are going to get those beers from? But little did they know, I had been squirreling away little this and little that for quite a while. So we rented a giant tent. How big was it? I forget. It was like, we called it the circus tent because it was so ginormous. And we decided we were going to replicate one of our pubs out in the park. Um, And so we now have a whole armada of cutaway faux bars that are you can slip your jockey boxes under and we've got these other kind of mobile bars. So we ended up having 36 beers on tap continuously. And then, at the last minute, we love the great taste. Because you know what? When, when they're short on, someone says, oh, I can't do that that one event you had planned. Hey, Vintage. We have a little. So while we're doing the circus tent thing, and I mean, it was com- it was complete with foosball. We had uh, couches collected from, it just happens to be really convenient that this is a time. Perfect weekend. Right. So some people call it hippie Christmas. Um, and this is where Madison kind of turns over a lot of it as tenants. So folks are left in between places. So there are a lot of couches to be had in various <laughs> states of disrepair and um, questionable quality of Squishiness. sitting upon. <laughs> that are sitting on the streets. Of- anyway, we had couches. We had a foosball table. We had an aquarium with live fish in it. We had a fish tank. Right. We had fish tanks here. First fish tank at the Great Taste. <laughs> Let's first milk truck. First milk truck. First tractor. First, first tractor. First boudoir theme board housewives with milkmen kind of a thing. I mean, that's just, I mean, there were so many cool. What, what really matters to us is when people take our one thing that we have a competition for seriously. Okay. And it has nothing to do with beer. Okay. I mean, one year, one guy came and he's like, I'm by myself, but I've got bubble wrap, bubble wrap and duct tape. And I looked at his, I looked at his tent, and I'm like, okay, that's really hilarious, dude. You just absolutely crushed it in a weird ass way. So I mean, you know, when people go out of their way to not just spend money, but to spend time and efforts thinking about it, okay, and buying entire cases of ether to make it happen, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot to be said for having really good friends in the industry. So wait, someone brought ether? Oh wait, uh, no, no, not to the event. We just, it just happened that the milk trucks gas tank had a little rust so besides having a whole case of ether now this milk truck does the the engine to get to it's from inside the truck so we just happened to you know uh driving back we brought a couple extra carburetors as well now trent's the genius by the way he's the only man that i know extra carburetors to a beer fest is a sentence that has never been said ever he's the only man i know that can Drive that milk truck down Fish Hatchery Road in Madison with the engine open with a can of ether in his hand, spraying the carburetor <laughs> to keep it running. Now, I was on a milk crate next to him. Okay, that's, don't tell the fleets. But, um, and that was, I felt like I was, you know, we had hydraulics going. But You were we witnessing greatness. 
And, you know, that's how seriously people take that competition. We, sure. we talked with Anello last year uh, who won Central Waters, and he was talking about how they built an entire bowling alley one year, yeah. and this was finally the first year they'd won. They'd been coming, you know, five to ten years. Sure. And he was ecstatic. He was ecstatic right. about winning it. I so, like the other ones that have won, too. I'm thinking about, you reminded me of uh, the one Titletown won for. They replicated the frozen tundra, re- <laughs> replete with um, ice sculptures. With ice sculptures. Of, yeah, yeah it was great. They had a sculpture. miniature. Um, Packers, you know, football pitch there. Yep. You could play on for a little bit before we got all trampled upon. It was great. So, it was when, so when you guys take home that trophy, like how how good does that feel? And all their trophies oh, are behind the great. bar. Yeah, they're behind the bar. Oh, they're great. actually now, as of today, up on top of the fireplace manual. Oh, good. oh even better. better. I like I like the home ness of that. Place See what I did there? <laughs> so, Jason and Fred, you guys talked about uh, some of your favorite uh, displays last year. What's a, so what are some of your favorite displays, some of your favorite moments at the fest? I, I liked having a, a live skate park with professional skateboarders. You know, our insurance guy was really excited about that one. You know, the, the, the ice sculptures were really fun. Uh, Elvis impersonator, uh, wed- fake wedding ceremonies with an Elvis. Oh, wow. Performing those right. ceremonies was great. Uh, the beer bu- bubbler, the beer blur, yep. is always a hit. So you can take a pull of IPA off a, off of a water fountain. Ooh, how about the the guys from Dark Horse who did the um the was it Jesus? Or yeah, free, sc- scary Jesus scary in Jesus the pulpit. Scary rocks there, Jesus. Yep. With with a tap coming out of the pulpit, it it was scary. Yeah, uh, an and and really altar fun. Built the great part was you know this was something that Trent would do, but just these guys had an idea in their head at Dark Horse. But they operationalized it at the Great Taste, and they just did it verbally. There was nothing no. sketched out, and they literally built. They had stacks and stacks of wood to make this yep. damn altar. They all came with raw materials yeah, and yeah. built it on it site. Was I like their style. The, the, <laughs> it all started. The first theme that we ever had, and the first goose that we ever had at the Great Taste, was decades ago um, by Joe's Brewery in Champaign, Illinois. And it started with something as simple as, if you pet the gargoyle, Good things will happen. And they had taken a house gargoyle and they had run a beer line through it, okay, that they could control from behind their booth, okay? And what was in there was goose. And that was the, literally the first themed thing um, that Bill Morgan uh, brought. And now he's with Blind Pig out of Champagne. And that kind of sparked what else can we do? So we've done some really odd things, things that have been never operationalized. I thought it'd be really cool to drop the first keg. Um, from a plane into the great taste um, until people talked about the physics with that. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, okay, you're not Trent. You don't even understand that in all of its complete aspects. We had a boat built that was launched across the lake, built from half barrels that floated, that had a half barrel uh, grill on it. So they were uh, making brats and sailing (laughs) into the great taste. And then the first keg from that brewery was put on long poles with guys in loincloths and then (laughs) taken to their tent. Which was pretty funny. That, there was, that one came up a lot uh, in interviews with uh, the brewers. It's the weird. Everybody it's the remembers weird, the, it's, the boat yeah, coming it, up. It was the weird one. Um, <laughs> this is my time to mention one. that water entries into the Great Taste <laughs> not, are not, not advised. Please, we were, yeah. <laughs> considering that. Yeah, unless they're amazing, right? <laughs> the, the craziest one. I don't even know if we talked about this last year, and the one that people still talk about and they roll their eyes um, is uh, we had a J.K. Watson, R.W. Watson, who was a, a former brew pub out of uh, Conemaugh. They sponsored stock car and their stock car racer uh he raced on saturday nights so they asked if they could bring the stock car in and have it around because it was logoed with all their stuff all their logos and the driver would be there he'd be able to talk and sign autographs which all went great until about three o'clock when he had to leave and me the non-stock car guy placed him on a hill and he's in slicks and he fires that bad boy up, and it's nothing but smoke, and it took like eight of us to push him out. <laughs> we ruined the event for a lot of people that were just there and didn't smell anything in their beer after that for the next three hours. So that's the one that people laugh about, joke about, but there's like been you, so many ideas for it. sounds like you needed a tractor. We could have used a tractor to pull him out. If only out. that were the same year as the first tractor. 
Any favorite memories from uh, from last year? How, how did that event go in your in your opinion for the 2018 Great well, Taste Fest? Well, it, it was my first year as as chairman in in that in that role. Um, so I, w- I was especially proud of that one uh, with the effort that I had seen. You know, my my various teams coming together. Uh, I was so proud of the work that they had done to to pull it off and to make us all feel really comfortable about it. You know, it was great to have my dad there to show my mom the the festival grounds for the first time ever uh, to show her what it was all about so you know i think it really it was it was a family thing kind of kind of for me uh, my wife made it back after after many years a- away from the event so those were kind of the special moments for me the weird thing for me was seeing a foam cork life-size cutout of myself up at the event at the turnaround which was my head placed upon a really hunky male body and then uh, overdressed in a red dress uh, attached to uh, one of the parking signs and the best part of that was not only seeing but understanding why people did that um, and realizing that there are so many people that get asked where's Fred where's Fred where's Fred they could just point to the damn picture but there were so many selfies done with this stupid thing there were so many reach <laughs> Rounds and the up and under was happening a lot. But when I talked to the guy who at least it wasn't to you. No, seriously. And and my (laughs) wife has pictures doing really nutty things with it. But um, when I was talking to the guy that actually operationalized the idea, he's like, "Yeah, I shouldn't have Googled hunky male body." at work <laughs> so, oh, no. because now he's on some list for his IT guy <laughs> so, I think I have a selfie with that oh I, I do it was right there it was crazy I mean it was just one of the things and that is you know don't take yourself so damn seriously you know in the event have some fun my thing was you know getting a chance to showcase our event to you guys you know and to, and to see the joy in your eyes and to, to be able to put you with these brewers that you could interview and say oh my god at the end of the event you set me up with some of the best interviews and these were people that absolutely understand the ethos of what you're trying to do it wasn't people that were just just happy to be there and really excited it was people that had been there for decades that were saying this is why we come we don't distribute we have no desire to distribute within three states of wisconsin we come because of what that thing is and that to me is really important we've been meaning to ask you so we did cover it for you guys last year and and you guys definitely turn us on to some uh, not just great breweries but some amazing stories you know fred you, you kind of you you said these are four guys that have been coming here for as long as we can remember and we would love it if you guys could get some video with them we had a blast i mean these are these are great breweries great stories I, we were curious to know how do you guys think we did i think you did great i, I was you know i was really we had a great time uh interviewing with you guys last year and you know like fred said i I really enjoyed standing next to you guys, uh, blowing the air horn and, let, oh, yeah. let, and letting in those thousands of people at the front gate, mm-hmm. you know, to see that wave of humanity, you know, like I'm, I'm almost used to it at this point. So for you guys to see they're like literally in front row seats to watch all those people come in was, was really fun for me. I, I still get a little tingles watching yeah. that video. Oh man, that moment, can I just say from a brewer's perspective, that's kind of a shock wave we feel, feel too, because like wherever you are, <laughs> with a smile on your face with your brewing brethren and sistren, you know, you're, you're just like, Oh, oh my gosh. It comes. Run, run. <laughs> it's like the barbarian invasion. Yeah. yeah. No, I think you guys knocked it out of the park. I think you, you got us. And I think in talking through our stories, we were able to illustrate how we think, we hope, that our story is much different than a typical beer festival. You know, we could have sold out long ago. We could have made this a corporate event. We could have sold naming rights. We could have done a lot of things. Um, we could have cashed out and gone home, okay, and put as many of our own personal pictures of foam core anywhere. But it, we didn't, and, and it's not about that. It's about reconnecting with family on the second Saturday in August. It's, it's reconnecting with family and friends, and we take that really seriously. That's who we are, and that's what we're trying to... To share and to, you know, to to require, and I'm doing air quotes, to require brewers to be there is is one of the big things because those stories then start to tell themselves over the years. Yeah, you, you saw four of those people that had some of the best damn stories. Yeah, there's there's a family reunion aspect to it for sure, uh, both for for us as, as staff and organizers to see the brewers that, that we've known over the years, but for the brewers themselves to, to reconnect from Ohio and... St. Louis and mm-hmm. from the Dakotas and you know and Chicago and for for them to all come together is 
you know, that's great to see too. Well, let's talk about this coming year. Mm-hmm. So what do we have to look forward to? And can you give us uh, an idea of the new breweries? Bacon on a stick. If <laughs> all you know is that we have bacon on a stick. Um, no, we have we have 30 new breweries again. Um, we we make no bones about the fact that it is randomized. We have a, I've got a list right here in front of me. There are some, there's some really cool people that uh, made it through, luckily. And there are some people that make me sad that they're not back. Okay, there are people that were here last year for the first time. We have people from Madison that aren't back. Okay, and that makes me sad. Okay, but at the same time, I think people understand um, where what our challenges are. So we've got some really interesting. Inexplicably, we are really heavy on brand new breweries from Iowa. You know, some new Iowa guys. We've got a couple new Wisconsin guys. We've got some Ohio folks that have come in hard. One new brewery from St. Louis. Um, there's a lot of really good beer. Um, that are coming out from these new guys and and it's just and it's not that it's new because it's 2019 and this group of 30 is new i'll be telling that same story jason will be telling that same story five years from now right there'll be 30 new guys and they're all really good so um that's that's to us what we're trying to do i i will argue vociferously about the people that try to pigeonhole us as an event that's 30 years old that isn't relevant anymore or looks the way it did 30 years ago. Um, We've made changes to seriously address that, okay? And with that comes all the innovation within the people that are always coming to our event and all of the new stuff that's coming. I love the fact that I can say there was a year that Lion Kugels came and they didn't bring a beer that they made for retail. Everything was R&D out of Milwaukee. And it was 12 to 16 beers. And people are like, are you kidding me? You got I didn't get them to do that. They had they a whole line of Berliner Weisses. Yes. They had a, several Berliner Weisses from Lanikus Kugel's family. That was shocking to me. I loved it. I, and, and that whole notion of, you know, how do we continue to stay nimble? How do we continue to be able to turn on a dime? And, and how do we stay, it's not relevant, but how do we stay, how do we stay in front of people? Yeah, I, I think moving with the industry trends and with all these new breweries opening or, or breweries that that hadn't maybe applied or decided to come or, or wanted to come or weren't able to come before. And for the for them to get on the list, for some of them to get selected, you know, they're excited to be there. We're really excited to have them there. And our patrons are excited to see the new places too. So, you know, if you're, if you're building your tick list, uh, make sure you're keeping the rookies in mind. To, to check them out. Um, I'm also excited about some of the new food options. Uh, we're kind of finalizing those, so I can't say exactly what those are going to be right now, uh, but there will be some additional food options, some fun summer treats, mm-hmm. and just adding to to the local flavors that we that we can offer at our event. As far as vintage, any uh, sneak peek into what uh, you guys are doing this year? You can't give all the secrets. I know. Well, hey, <laughs> come on. Breaking news. Come on. Work with us here. <laughs> Oh no! We I have mean, you're a, bringing 40 beers, right? We have a company. Yeah, we have a company, <laughs> company rule that we don't talk about it until we decide to finally get our butts, um, you know, working on it, and then that's usually a week in advance. So, right, it's it's the beginning of August. <laughs> it's gonna be really cool. It's gonna be really cool. <laughs> but you'll have multiple beers. We'll oh no! Well, we will have multiple beers. We um, we'll definitely bring more than 20. I, I can't say what uh, our total tap allotment's gonna be. Um, we don't have a theme lined up there either. Uh, probably the same as last year. We we have a different location which has its own kind of line of beers. So we'll probably split it with tangent beers and vintage beers, which is kind of fun. You know, at tangent we get to take more chances than we normally would. That's that's not true. We take chances hey. all the time. <laughs> you take a ton of chances. <laughs> different right chances. Hinge is not a chance. Different chances. <laughs> yeah. Life's a chance. Getting up is a chance, yeah. right? Waking up is a chance. I mean, but think about it. You asked. You know, asked. You asked what was different. If all you did was stand in front of their tent when they had over thirty beers. That's a beer festival. That's a full day right there. Sure. Yeah, I mean, not like we're encouraging that because you'd like them to leave after two hours. Uh, my rule Many is I, I can't leave my tent, my home tent. So mm-hmm. if you're in the 400s, you may not stray to the 500s or wait. Before the thing starts, you go to the the, um, the real ale tent, of course. Yep. But then you have to get back. And all you do is a lap around because if you stray out beyond your own tent, you're lost. And then you missed your shift yep. and then you're... Your cohorts are mad at you. And I'm calling him on his cell phone. He's not answering. Because I lost it in the lake. It's okay. <laughs> he was trying to go after that boat. That's yeah. right. 
<laughs> does that uh, that record of uh, what was it 36 beers does yeah. that still stand to this day 36 good. is really close the great dane and the vintage seem to have this um for lack of a better term pissing match no. uh, mm. about race, who you know who's arms, 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 arms race. Race. <laughs> That makes it a lot more serious. Coming down to Hilldale, that's it. It's like like Khrushchev and Kennedy. And these guys are friends, and what I love about it is that, uh, you know, and it's not... It's not like, okay, we brought 36 beers, okay, and six of them were afterthoughts. It's like, we bought 36 really freaking good beers. We brought 36 beers that we can stand behind each and every one of those. And the Great Dane and guys like that do the exact same thing. One of the things that I take pride in, because the new guys always ask me the same question, so there's always 30 guys that say, what should we bring? What should we do? What do you, what, what? It's a really knowledgeable crowd in Madison, right? And I say, no, all you need to do is first and foremost, the first cut is, what are you drinking? What is your most passion project right now? What are you excited to talk about? Then there's a second cut. And people are like, dude, I'm making this English mild that's really good. Should I bring that? It's not big though. And I'm like, yes, bring an English mild because if you're excited to talk about it, people will be excited to try it with you and to have a quick conversation about that. So this notion that everything has to be big, everything has to be barrel-aged, everything has to be over 8%, that is not at all the case. Because the new guys kind of get um, they get informed really quickly. Bring stuff that you'll talk about that you're passionate about. And then it's, oh my God, this was like a great seven or eight minutes with you in front of your booth trying beers that maybe I wouldn't have had a Pilsner today. Mm-hmm. But this I is- did because this is the friggin' best Pilsner I had because you're super excited about it. And it's really good. I'd love to jump in and say this is where a part of the... Um, the accessories to this festival are so great because it helps people. FestBuddy has been an application that really helps folks navigate their ways. And sure, you get people who are interested in the big ones and your interesting ones, your crazy weird additions. But um, sometimes you get folks who they're literally just, they've mapped it out. They want all the finished style sateys or all the, the kind of relic, a, a, you know, antiquity ales yep. that are out there. Foraged beers. They have planned their day out based on what they've seen, I don't know, weeks in advance. And mm-hmm. that's pretty great. So an English mild might seem like, oh, that might be kind of ho-hum for this festival. Some folks are looking for low ABV classics. Totally. <laughs> totally. There are only so many coffee and cacao nib <laughs> infused <laughs> bourbon right. barrel stout, imperial sure. stouts that you can drink in one after. Afternoon. So challenge you know, accepted. <laughs> uh oh, look out! Uh, so yeah, you you know, want to make sure that you're you know you're you're seeing a wide range of, of flavors because you might get surprised by an English mild. My blowaway beer last year was uh, was a Munich Hellas that was outstanding from old. Uh, I'll come up with the name. Old English. No, it was not. It's not. A, that is not it. Um, <laughs> Oberfall. 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 New Oberfall. Sorry. Even OEs expand their line. Crap beer is in trouble. We've got an entire malt liquor tent. You ask about new things, it's all malt liquor in the It's behind the real ale tent. No, I think one of the cool things is having those, you know, those those moments where it's like, oh my god. And those are almost every time we talk to people after the event or about what they had the year before, it was mind-blowing things that weren't the mind-blowing things that they knew they were probably going to like. It's the chances and the risks they took. And it was, you know, dude, I just needed a palate cleanser, and I was walking between, and oh my God, it was a Hellas. And that's the thing that I can't get out of my brain from yesterday. Right. And and I think that experience of having that Munich Hellas and talking to the brewer who is really excited about Super their German. Munich Hellas, like you are getting the story from the guy who brewed it and it gets you excited about that beer too. And you know, we keep talking about that brewer interaction, the questions that we can ask adding to the experience. And it really does. You know, when you're when you're traveling and you're and you're at a new brew pub or brewery, you're excited to be there because it's new. And then you start talking to someone who knows the beer, and you get more excited. Those are the only times I've enjoyed wine. Are at are at wineries when someone <laughs> is excited talking about it because you know I take that wine home and I'm like, no, it's not the same <laughs> at all because I'm not a wine guy. But when I'm you know if I'm there, I'm enjoying it. But you know ha- having that interaction really really plays into the experience. I think. You know, and I think you you described 
perfectly why we started this podcast. It's because we think these brewers are rock stars at what they do, and we want to shine a little bit of a spotlight that we are limited spotlight on these guys. And there's nothing better for us, for, for us uh, who are involved with this podcast, than sitting down with a brewer tasting their beer and having them not only tell us what we should be tasting but tell us what the inspiration was for that beer why they why they spend so much time uh doing what they do to make everybody out there happy you know it's it's a, a really inspirational thing for us to hear those stories and we hope that it's uh, the same sort of inspiration for some of our listeners you know especially our home brewer listeners who, who want to get into the business it, it's been a very special ride for us you know so going forward what uh, what can we expect from vintage uh in the in the summer here do you guys have any big summer releases coming out we're kind of uh we've kind of released all of our summer summer flavors and uh we're look already looking towards fall and i hate to say that you know in a brewer's world it's kind of a it's dark because you want to enjoy the time that's right there with you. You know, we're just now in the nice height of summer and get out there boating and whatever you like to do. But already you're thinking about your Oktoberfest. So part of you is just like, oh, you're shivering inside. What am I do for winter already? Oh, you know, but um, I am uh, I'm excited to say we're, we've just released our Key Lime Wit. So that's a beer that it started out on a whim. Honestly, this is a beer we did for uh, a little party we do called, you know, Pi Day. Uh, 314. So March 14th every year. We have a little bit of crazy uh, late winter cabin fever fun by throwing pies in each other's faces. And um, we do it for charity. Honestly, you guys got to get out to sock if we do it there this year and get involved with Pie Day because what it is is we get celebrities or minor celebrities or non-celebrities. Anybody who wants to get in this um, giant cardboard cutout thing that we have Pie Guy, we created a character for this. Pie Pie Guy, he's a superhero. So you put your face in the the cutout and then you're Pie Guy and then you get bid up. So Rory's auctioneer extraordinaire usually and um, basically people who are in the crowd, they know you're there and they know what your allotted time is and then they bid you up for the right to chuck a pie right in your kisser. So for the record, uh, the pies are as... The amount of pies that are thrown does go up as the price goes. So last year, I think the the highest bidder was $450. Oh, boy. That's a lot of pies. The president of Culver's. (laughs) Yeah. Craig Culver? It wasn't Fred. Now, his name's Jim. Um, No, it's, yeah. So it's our new, Mm -hmm. as of two years ago, the president. Anyways, his staff came in and bid him up to $450. (laughs) And then uh, I, uh, you know... Of course, because it was such a great price, he got 12 pies in the face. 12 <laughs> pies. Yes. So, yes. So that's how Key Lime Way came from this. So, yeah, back to the beer. So uh, this kind of, all these shenanigans we do for pie day, you know, the kitchen comes up with some awesome little uh, pastry pies, you know, savory and sweet. But I make these pie beers. And I thought, ah, Key Lime Pie, it's great. We'll try this out. But I thought, I, you know, I've tried Key Lime Pie themed beers, and they're just... There's too much going on. I just want some. I just want a wit with like some key lime juice and a little bit of essence, a little top note, and those people wouldn't let it go. They just wouldn't let it go. And so, for lack of a different answer for the citrus people in the middle of summer, we've kind of turned that into a real thing now. So innovation because of Pi Day. Because of pies and pies. <laughs> for charity. For charity. For charity. But it looks like we're running low on beers, so uh, we're we're gonna sign off pretty soon. But uh, I'd like to go around and get everybody's kind of final thought on great taste and what it means to them. I. I I think for me, my final thought is that uh, we were talking about how easy it is to find amazing beers, and I think you guys as organizers make that very easy because everybody brings their best. You know, it, you know that if you're trying somebody's barrel-aged imperial stout with cocoa nibs and, and coffee and everything else, that it's going to be their best version of that. Yep. And you're going to try some of the best in the entire Midwest when you're at this fest. But above and beyond that, if you try somebody's, you know, Munich lager, it's going to be their best goddamn Munich lager you may have ever tasted in your life. Totally. That's, I don't know. For me, you guys just make it easy to try some of the best beers you're ever going to try. Thank you. I have no final thoughts because I wasn't there before, but I will be there this year. My girlfriend's birthday does not fall on the same That's day. Right. That was Jesus a, has <laughs> never a sad yeah. note. So actually, I was taking notes with the tips for the oh newbies, good. you know. So uh, really I can't Jesus. wait. I can't. <laughs> what is Jesus gonna do? You know, we should give out ten thousand. No, no, we gotta make sure it's what what wouldn't what wouldn't. 
like it. Ma- maybe Note Jesus will be in the uh, scavenger hunt this year. Oh, Jesus oh, might be in the scavenger hunt. Uh, I, I believe go big uh, or go home. Yeah. So, yes, I'll do anything. Yeah. So, there, so there's a plug for the second annual Great Taste of the Midwest scavenger hunt. We're doing it again. Uh, it was kind of a last minute uh, on a whim last year, but we're going to we're gonna go full force this year. So uh, make sure you look at your program and uh, take care of that during the event. Um, it was just silly. I mean, it was, okay, we knew that those things would be there and there would be multiples of those there you know so take a picture of a hops tattoo okay find a guy named jesus okay i mean there's there's uh, we knew that there'd be things like that and and people got into it and it was just it was one more way to continue to talk maybe stop drinking for a little bit get focused on something else and we're always looking for goofy silly weird things to get people talking and meeting folks that they don't already know Yep. There was so, only one Fred in address last year. There was, there was only, only one Fred, Fred in address <laughs> in the scavenger hunt. So, so back to my thoughts for this year. I'm excited to have around 30 new breweries attending their first Great Taste of the Midwest. Um, I'm excited to meet them. I'm excited for my friends to meet them. I'm excited for people I don't know to meet them. Um, I'm excited to meet new people and, you know, see some brewer friends that I get to see uh, on the second Saturday in August and enjoy another beautiful day in the crown jewel of the Madison Park system. I'm excited because uh, it's the one year that I get to uh, take a bartending shift with my daughter. Um, Both of us have bartended. uh, She's bartended since she's been 18. I bartended for over 30 years. And she and I pull a shift. Uh, She used to work at the Great Dane. So we pull about a 30-minute shift there, and we get to uh, fart around with each other, which is really fun for the two of us. Last year, I got to uh, introduce my mother and aunts to the event, which was really cool. But for me, it's always reconnecting with extended family, you know, with people that always in my mind, I'm like, God, I could just leave this weekend. I could go to Columbus. I could leave this weekend. I could go to Minneapolis. Okay. And we'd always have good conversations. So it's saying hi to friends. It's welcoming people back into our house. It is putting on one of the, the, what I think is one of the premier events that's ridiculously well thought out with the artisans that uh, allow us to do it. I'm going to jump on that too, because it's uh, really special to have that, that before time, if you can get set up and you're ready to go, then I just have to say, you know, it's it's easy to get in, stuck in your rut where you just like you're in your cellar, you're in your whatever. You work, 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 and you kind of lose sight of the fact that wow, there's a whole lot of beauty going on all over the place. There's a lot of like-minded individuals who are a lot like you, so it's great that the couple hours you have before the masses descend over the hill. I love catching up with uh, new and old friends and just thinks, how's it going? How's it going for you? This is great. We wouldn't miss it. I'm excited uh, to meet people. Um, you know, one of the things that drives me in this business is being able to meet new people every single day. Beer Fest in general, but especially Great Taste, there's so many people that are just lovers of craft beer or maybe new to craft beer. And they're so excited to, to try the product that we produce and spend the time with us. Um, and that's really the highlight to me, you know. So as we, we talked earlier about how do you navigate the festival, I spend a lot of time behind the booth just talking to people because that's, mm-hmm. to me, really the fun behind the entire event. So. Right. Absolutely. Well, it looks like we are uh, we are out of beer for now, but uh, we cannot wait, absolutely cannot wait for the second weekend in August to uh, to be welcomed home to uh, the Great Taste in the Midwest, and uh, and for Jesus to be welcomed f- uh, for his first time. <laughs> Welcome, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to do it for us for now. So for me, for Alex, Jesus, Jason, Fred, Scott, Rory, thank you for joining us. It's been another solid non-fail production. There's no